Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. This Australian Investors Podcast episode is brought to you by The Intelligent Investor, Australia's premier investment research membership service. You can get a free trial for 15 days, no credit card details required. To access the insights of some of Australia's best analysts, use the coupon code RASK and secure your Intelligent Investor membership today. We're proud to have The Intelligent Investor as an ongoing supporter of the Australian Investors Podcast. As a result, RASK does not earn a volume-based fee. Simply head to intelligentinvestor.com.au or use the link in your podcast player to access your free trial. This episode of the Australian Investors Podcast is also proudly supported by SelfWealth, Australia's leading independent broker. Over 120,000 investors trust SelfWealth with over $9 billion in equities. With SelfWealth, you can trade ASX, US and Hong Kong listed shares for a flat fee. On a $10,000 investment with Comsec, you'd pay $29.95 in fees. Yet with SelfWealth, it's just $9.50. The thing I like about SelfWealth is the full access to fundamental company data and how easy it is to trade US, Hong Kong, and Aussie shares in one place. You can see your Apple shares and ACDC ETF right beside each other. To join SelfWealth now, use the link in your podcast player or head to selfwealth.com.au and use the coupon code RASK during sign-up. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Australian Investors Podcast, a series exploring the investment philosophies and journeys of some of Australia's leading investors and financial thinkers. I'm Owen Raskovich, founder of The Rask Group. For show notes and other episodes in this series, as well as free educational resources, please visit www.raskfinance.com. Before we go on, it's important to remember the Australian Investors Podcast is provided for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment, financial or taxation decision. The information included in this podcast does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives and guests appearing on the show may have a financial interest in some of the products mentioned. Please read all the important disclosure documents and refer to the RAS Group's Financial Services Guide on the RAS Finance website. Andrew Page is the founder of Strawman.com a growing online investment community where Australian investors can share and scrutinise each other's investment ideas. If you're a consumer of financial media in Australia, chances are you would have seen Andrew on television. I had a lot of fun talking to Andrew about his journey from biology to investing to business and the trials and tribulations of entrepreneurship. Andrew shares some great lessons about building a brand, being critical of your own ideas and embracing the wisdom of others. Thanks for joining me on the show. Great to be here. Let's kick things off with the earliest part of your journey 
to investing. Most mm. people will know you from Skype Beers or potentially ABC and mm. a lot of the TV gigs that you did. Mm. You studied microbiology for an yeah. undergrad. Yeah. How do you go from microbiology to investing? Uh, it, it was a total accident. Um, so I graduated in the late 90s. And this was a time when um, the, the original tech boom was in full swing. Mm. And it was also a time when the online broking industry really started opening up. Um, and there was a job, this is how old it is, there was a job in the newspaper <laughs> that said, do you want to be a stockbroker? Call Vince. And I had some number there. And I was, I just graduated. I was looking for something to get some money in the mm. door, even just as a temporary gig. And I thought, I'll give it a go. And it turned out that this, this Vince guy was a recruiter for Comsec. And they were, they were basically recruiting anyone who could fog a mirror, frankly. Um, and it, it, so it was a very early in that space. And that industry, as we now know, grew very, very rapidly. And Comsec was very much the leader in that space. And, and they did very, very well. So, you know, that, that rising tide, I was just sort of lucky enough to be early on there. And it, it got to a point where by the time I felt, well, maybe I, you know, I did study science and microbiology, maybe I should go to that, it did. A, the field was moving very quickly. I, I'd, I'd probably fallen a bit behind. And B, not to, not to be so base about it, but the, the money in finance was much better than the money in, 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 in science. And it's kind of like we're all goldfish. You sort of grow to. Well, yeah, and and it, just, it, it just sort of – and then the longer you stayed there, the, the more that you filled out your CV and your experience and therefore the jobs that you were qualified for were in that space – and, and it really became, there was no way actual, actual reasonable path back to science. Mm. And frankly, I, I hated it in, in the early. Really? Yeah. Okay. It, it, well, what didn't you like about it? So studying science, it's, it was all about evidence, you know, and, and in fact about disproving things. And, and when I got into the finance game, it seemed as though that was almost turned on its head. I mean, markets are chaotic systems you're in the business of predicting the future there's no formula for doing that and and so you'd have a lot of people putting out you know investment theses and stuff that were to me it seemed it wasn't very objective in in its in its approach and there was a lot of um bluster and bluff and ego and all of these things in there and, and then you would sort of see these reasonably credible people putting out recommendations and, and research content which later on would would demonstrably prove false now that's fine we're in a game where you know getting it wrong is is part of the business and you know the old saying is if you're right six out of ten times you're doing well but th there was there was very little introspection and and review of that process and it, it I, I became quite cynical in it all and it's just like you know the here is an industry that's really just selling hope and a dream and that the product itself doesn't really matter and and so and it was also very much a um the focus was always on what's going to happen in the next six to 12 months so everyone sort of talks a good game about good businesses at good prices and that but really all that mattered was what the share price did over the short term so it 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 that never resonated with me and you sort of saw the the the, the grubbier side of of finance which a lot of stuff's coming out now in the royal commission right yeah so I, I didn't like it and um uh, I, I also had some a wonderful learning experience again this is the, the original tech boom so i started in this industry i bought a few shares um i did ridiculously well and i did ridiculously well for all the wrong reasons. I was just Johnny on the spot. The rising tide was lifting all the boats. 
I thought I was a genius and long story short, the, the, the bubble popped and I lost a huge amount. Well, for me at the time was a huge amount of money and um, which was a really the best learning experience you can ever have. And that sort of set me off on this journey of like, well, what, what does matter in investing and what doesn't matter? And, and you know, since figured out that it's, you'll never figure it out. It's, it's an ongoing sort of process, but it's one that the more I've, done it the less i've realized obviously all the 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 grounding principles you know understanding financials and valuations that's all all important but but really what matters is is understanding the business side of things you know and a lot of these things that are more intangible too that don't fit onto a onto a a spreadsheet but it's about i feel as though if you can if understand a particular business and the industry it's in then a lot of this other stuff will just sort of fall into place and 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 learning all of that and being intellectually curious about all of that I think has been really valuable. You touched on something interesting there about the the bust. Yeah. <laughs> Dot com bust. Potentially some of the listeners aren't old enough to remember what happened. Yeah. So from my recollection Anything that had .com in the name yeah, t- tended to do pretty well. Companies were changing their names to .com. There was a lot of mining companies at the time that, that pivoted and changed their name to something tech-sounding and put .com at the end, and their, their market caps were double overnight. Well, It was a crazy time. And it was, it was also at a time, too, where everyone – the funny thing about the tech boom is, is that a lot, of the, a lot of the big picture stuff was right. I mean, this, this was going to revolutionize the world. Um, this business was going to transition online. Uh, it was going to be huge. And, and that's actually all played out. But at that point, the business models hadn't been worked out. And the main metric that sort of everyone joked about was eyeballs. I mean, how many visits did you have to a page? Don't worry about the monetization. That'll come later. And that was the only thing that, that, that sort of mattered. Um, so, yeah. It was, and again, we know how that all, that all ended. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> Narrative bias. Yes. Yes. So this, is, this brings us to an interesting point, I suppose, when I look back over your career to date. You've transitioned, you held a position as an analyst, mm-hmm. which I can imagine would have been quite a prestigious role, especially given your age. It was yeah. sought after. Yeah. It sounded better on the business card okay. than the reality <laughs> of the job. It was yeah. part of a team and, you know, um, yeah. Okay. So then you then you roll back and you, by all accounts, you, you leave the, the finance industry yeah. and you decide to start your own business. Yeah. Me and a couple other guys I knew and... Um, we got into a terrible business. And for anyone out there who's, who's thinking about it, um, we, we, so we, we did an um, espresso bar and, and chocolate bar. We thought it was very trendy, very mm. cool. Um, it's really a phenomenally hard business um, to do well and ultra competitive and you know, high costs and, and all the rest of it. But we were optimistic. Um, we, we thought that we could make a go of it. We did it for about a year and we took it from um, – uh, start up to just break even and then we sold as soon as we, we could we could possibly do it because it was the economics just weren't attractive uh, it, it's an industry where you know um, it's got a long fat tail of mediocrity and a, a very people will often look at the very busy cafes mm. and restaurants and go wow they must be minting it and they are but it's kind of like the music business or the art business it's, it's, it's a very small slither of people who do extremely well and a lot of people who do very poorly but I suppose that experience would have given you the hands on the tangible feel of what a business is is so phenomenal understand how financials work yeah and 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 give you that context then when you transition back to investing in public securities you you understand the the hustle that's required so so how operating leverage can impact a business yeah how financial leverage impacts a business yeah 
so and, and other things too. Like these are more of these intangible type things, like you know, uh, management quality, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, brand value, um, all of these you know, st- uh, strategy, all of these things. That again, it's, it's not always easy to put into a spreadsheet, but the things that actually, when you boil it all down, are the most important things. Mm. Absolutely. And then, so you sell this business, you break even, let's say, then you move back into the world of finance and yeah. particularly fintech. Yeah. So what can you describe the next role that you took? Yeah, so I was at a, a company called Hub Financial and this was back in the, this is before the SaaS days. So this mm-hmm. is when they had some uh, software that helped analyze the market, it did some charting stuff that had a fundamental package, but it was bought in a box on a disc. Okay. And that's what they did. They had some education courses around that. So I did some of that stuff mainly from a media perspective. So they, they had um, some arrangements with Sky and sort of the spokesperson for that. And, and so again, just sort of landed in that through a friend who said, hey, they're hiring and, you know, you you, you, you take it as, I'll give this a go for a little while. And I think four years or something went okay. past. So, yeah. So this was about the time when you transitioned into the media. You got that, that time on air. and Yeah. How did you find that initially? Um, hated it. Um, actually, it was a little bit done at that at, Com- at Comsec as well. So they, they used, I think they still do. They did um, crosses with Channel 10 and Sky Business. And mm-hmm. it, it's all a branding exercise for these companies. And so it's good to have a sort of a regular presence on these kinds of things. So I did a little bit of that at, at um, Comsec and, and did a lot of that at, at Hub. And it was something that um, I actually I, I didn't really enjoy. I've, as you know, Owen, I'm, I'm happy to talk <laughs> and talk and talk and talk um, about this kind of stuff. But on, on, on in the media, the focus is r- really in an area that I'm not fascinated in. It, it was, you know, you, you do a dozen crosses a day to Sky. It's like, hey, something went down 2%. Why is that? Um, you know, this is off half a percent. Why is that? And it was really narrow focus and none of the discussion was around the, the bigger picture, more important stuff. So it was very much Groundhog Day kind of thing. Market was up, the market was down. We're talking about today. That's all that matters. And it, 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 so it was it was not something I particularly enjoyed. Okay. But, I mean, it's a great platform nonetheless for you as a young professional as well. Oh, yeah. Imagine, yeah. And it, it really forced you to, to pay attention to a lot of things you otherwise wouldn't because you, you had to have something to say on mm-hmm. a lot of these things. So that, that was definitely a good part of it. But, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was just – it was fascinating to sort of see the – where the focus was and where the focus remains to this day for, for most people and just how irrelevant that tends to be. Um, one thing that has jumped out to me as I've done a bit more digging into your history mm-hmm. is that the the brand that you did develop earlier on definitely, at least from what I can tell, has helped you through your career. So you've moved, let's go this four years at Hub Financial and then you've moved on to Team Invest. Yep. Uh, did you do the media thing? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't so much the um, you know the three minute crosses. It was it was more some of the uh, call in discussion shows and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, did a, did a lot of that there as well. Yeah, great. And we we'll we'll get to it in a moment. Mm-hmm. But the business that you've started, in a way, it looks as though it leverages a lot of your experiences at Team Invest or yes. at the Motley Fool later on, um, and even going back as far as Comsec and. And, and dealing with yeah. other investors. Yeah, 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 uh, hundred percent. So, so Team Invest is um, it's an investment club. It's for high net worth individuals. They've got a, a few hundred, I think, um, clients now. But but people who were really the, the value proposition was you you get together in a room once a month. 
um, in the various capital cities, and you'd, you'd talk in depth about stocks and, right. and, and um, try to understand the business, and then people would go off and make their own decisions. And it was fin- almost all of the members didn't have a financial background, but almost all of the members had a business background. And the insights and perspectives that they had were far more valuable than someone who's got, you know, a, you know, a, a master's degree in finance mm. or whatever, because they really got the business side of it right. And when you get that part right, a lot of, you know, the, the, the share price performance is, is sort of borne out by all of that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a really valuable experience, and especially in terms of getting your head around the importance and significance of these qualitative factors as opposed I was, I was very much quantitative in the early days as all ratios and mm. metrics and these kinds which are very important are. but you just you miss that qualitative perspective but uh, yeah so I, 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 I guess I wanted to capture that but do it online yep We'll get to that in just a moment. Mm. Um, after Tim Vest, you spent a bit of time at the Motley Fool. Yeah, um, which is how four we, years almost. Four years, yeah. yeah, great. Which is how we came to yeah. to be acquainted and, and know each other, um, and that was great because I got to learn from you and, and your writings oh, thanks, and, and everything you did. Oh, likewise, no, it was great. Likewise, um, and there you had a I suppose a predilection for dividend investing yep. and getting income from investments. How has your investment philosophy shifted over time and Let's drill into the, the dividends just a little mm-hmm. bit. Do you think that Australian investors focused on dividends are potentially missing out on something else? Yes and no. It, it depends. I mean, this thing called the market has uh, – there's so many different ways to approach it. And there's no right or wrong way. I mean, it depends what you're after. So someone who's 25 is going to approach or should approach in a very different way to someone who's 65. And dividends uh, or dividend-paying stocks – um, are phenomenally valuable and have a, a you know great potential and the rest of it, but you're never going to get a multi-bag a kind of return on sort of that. So I I, I don't tend to be too diehard on any one type of approach or, or, or philosophy, but you know there's there's um, there's a lot to be said for taking a pretty holistic approach and and building a portfolio that that is is um, fit for purpose so to speak. So. Um, for, for someone who's got a, a reasonable amount of capital behind them and is just looking to sort of preserve that over time, get a bit of growth, but but importantly, get an income stream. That is the only you – know, you're not going to go to small cap, mm. micro cap growth companies for that. Um, so it depends, I guess, is the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so maybe we can drill into your investment philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, being a business person, mm-hmm. I suppose, first and foremost – what do you look for from, let's say, a high-level perspective? What are you looking for when you're yeah. staring the market? So there's there's no – look, I guess if you look at my portfolio and some of the recs that I've got on Stroman, there's, there's very much a theme there at the moment. But it's it's not um, – in terms of that industry theme, that's more incidental. I'm, I'm trying to – I'm trying to basically – look at a company that I can reasonably understand. And and if I'm being honest, most companies I don't. Um, yes, at a high level, I can say, are oh, there a retailer that does this? But what makes that business unique? What is it that ticks? What what are the profit drivers of this business? What are the, what are the kinds of things that can hurt earnings and distinguishing, importantly, those that might be just normal cyclical kind of features that any business, no matter how wonderful, is going to experience ups, ups and downs. Nothing goes up in a straight line versus setbacks that might be driven by more structural long-term factors, in, in which case this business is sailing straight into the wind and is going to almost invariably fail. And um, so so it, it's, it's, it's really about trying to understand 
that business. And if you can't understand um, a business reasonably well, then it, it gets kicked out pretty quick. There's, there's almost no point in doing all the other steps after that because your assumptions are invariably going to be wrong. So it's it's about trying to stick to that. It's all cliched now, but it's cliched for a good reason. It's that Buffett circle of competence kind of thing. What, where do I feel as if I've got an understanding? Um, uh, reading as much about that as I can, um, understanding the business and also trying to identify those ones that have these really attractive economics, um, you know, usual kinds of things, you know, high returns on, on reinvested capital, um, you know, high levels of cash flow, um, competitive advantages, all of these kinds of things. And then and only then really just sort of saying, well, what's this worth? And we're all, we're all influenced, whether we'd like to admit it or not, by what the market is telling us what it is worth. And we know that the market is generally pretty right most of the time and over the long term, but there can be some really big deviations there. And um, I found that that anchoring can be really, really dangerous. So I, I really try to independently come up with value knowing that I'm going to be wrong because um, I'm predicting the future and I'm making assumptions and I'm ascribing valuation. It's just what I think is reasonable. The market may not ever agree and, and a lot of these things might, might not be borne out, but it gives me an independent sense of if this wasn't listed, if this was just a private business, if I was a billionaire who could buy this thing outright, what would I be paying for? And that's really then and only then that you even bother to look at the market and say, well, am I getting a, a, a decent discount on, on that? you know, just to account for the vagaries and, you know, put that margin of safety in. And then the hardest part is just having the patience and the fortitude to, to stick with it. Mm. Because if you're me, um, a share will almost certainly fall <laughs> after you've bought it. <laughs> and slow, right? and, and it, it can stay in the red for a long, long, long time. But if you're, and again, the natural inclination is that you, 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 the, the demons come at night, you doubt yourself, you sell out, and it's often you capitulate at the worst possible time. But if you've got that... If you've done your homework, you've got the conviction, you've got the emotional fortitude to sort of stick through that, it's actually a wonderful thing. It allows you to build bigger position and, and it, it, it eventually does get borne out. And it translates into a very attractive um, average annual return, even though you may have spent the first year down 20%. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you, you, you must have – you must – you must have that independent idea and have that conviction to say the market is not right on this. And that, that is really what you're doing as an investor. And it's an incredibly egotistical standpoint to say, I know better than the market. But you kind of have to, right? Because uh, either the market is right, in which case it's at fair value and there's, there's no value to be had, or it's wrong. And, and you need to sort of be able to selectively identify where you can be confident in that area. Absolutely. I, I liken it to walking in the dark at night. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing and, you know, it's very scary, yep. you think something's behind you, it's always creeping up and then, you know, I liken that to being in the market. If you don't actually understand what you're, what you're buying yes. and something bad happens, yes. you're all of a sudden scared. Of a, scared and, and we're all driven. We're, we're all social creatures, you know, and, and the herd mentality is, is just so powerful. And even when you're a student of behavioral finance and these things, you know full well what all the traps are and all the mistakes. But you, you, you're kidding yourself if you think you're immune to all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's easy to sort of say in hindsight, well, I was always sure of that and I built a big position that turned out to be a great thing. The reality was at that point in time, you, you were 
scared to death. And it's like, what have I got wrong? Am I, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it is it is very, very, very difficult. Um, but again, as Buffett says, it's it, it's not an IQ of 200 that you need. It's really that EQ, that emotional sort of um, strength, which is far more important. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And this is, I suppose, a great way. This is a, an ideal segue into the business that you've built. Yep. Um, you spent four years at the Motley Fool and then in early 2018, you decided mm. to launch this thing called Strawman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great name. I, 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 oh, I told a few friends who I was interviewing today and they said, geez, that's a great name. <laughs> great. So it's, it's, oh, good. That's, that's a good early sign. So tell us, where did the idea of Strawman come from? Right. And what is it? Okay. So, well, as you say, it very much came from that original Team Invest experience. And um, I've, I'm... As you know, there's a lot of ego in this industry and people put out their investment cases and they stand behind and they defend it. And it it tends to be very bull versus bear kind of thing where I've really found um, huge value in in tapping into the expertise and experience and, and wisdom of other people and exposing my ideas to that scrutiny with the express intention of being proven wrong. This is not about ego. Investing is about making money in the lowest risk possible fashion. And if I'm wrong, that's going to be borne out on the market sooner or later. And I would far rather have someone point out to me, listen, I, I get your investment case, but it's flawed and this is why. And and just, you know, to have the um, ability to sort of, you know, the lack of hubris, I guess, to sort of say, oh, yes, thank you. Thank you for proving me wrong. Which, which was always, I mean, that, that is, that is the, the, the crux of the scientific method, which is, you know, you, you can't ever really prove anything, but you can disprove mm. it. And, and so, yeah, I, I, at, at The Motley Fool, I ran Dividend Investor. And, you know, the job there was to come up with recommendations and I'd put them out there. And we'd have these, we had these wonderful forums where we had this excellent engagement from the community. And a lot of the time, people telling you how much of an idiot you were and how wrong you were. So you had to have some thick skin. And, you know, often, often they were right in their, in their um, prognostications. But, but at the same time, it was immensely valuable to have that two-way conversation to, as I say, tap into unique insights that you otherwise wouldn't get um, and, and, to, and to have your, your, your own um, ideas tested and also to get new ideas from other people mm-hmm. that, that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And as I said, the, the, the insights that you find to be really valuable might come from some guy who's, who's really new to the share market investing but has spent 30 years working in agriculture or in retail or in biomedical research who knows a hundred times more about that industry than the analyst who might have covered it for 10 mm. years. And they are going to give, they, they're not going to give you a discounted cash flow model on something, but they are going to give you some insight on what matters in that industry and, you know, why a product may or may not be successful, the odds around that. And it's, so I guess it was trying to tap into that. And I don't know about you, but I, I find that at the moment in Australia in particular, there's no online destination that is really um, good at facilitating the online discussion. There's, there's chat boards out there, but they're very noisy mm. places. They're very, there's, there's no accountability to what you say. They're very cluttered. There's a lot of arguments and fights. I just really wanted a more civilised place for investors to engage, share ideas, um, uh, refine their own thinking, learn more and hopefully get better results. I think that's I think it's there's a real niche here because particularly at this the smaller cap end of the Australian market, there's a 
you know, there's a dearth of yeah. research. There's, yeah. there's not many sell-side analysts. There's, there's fund managers, private investors, mm-hmm. and DIY investors that yep. are in this market, but there's few big institutions. So yeah. there's... The liquidity just often isn't there absolutely. for the big guys. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, so there's probably an, an informational advantage to be had there if you can huge. somehow harness that collective wisdom. It's huge. Yeah. And I've, I've used strawman in the past as well to oh, sort of look at ideas and to get the bear case and the bull case that's really important for me Excellent. as an individual investor to, to, to hear those arguments. Um, okay, so perhaps you can tell, because I think the story about where straw man may be heading is, is mm-hmm. a really good one too. So yeah. how does the, the, the business work? This is a purely online business. Yeah. How it does is. it work? What's well, so I mean, as you say, this is very early days. We only launched the, the public beta on June 1. And, and um, so it's, it's not it's not monetized at the end. It frankly won't be for a long time yet. Um, the challenge we have at the moment, the, the beta has been really encouraging. So we're getting some really good traction. The subscriber growth is attractive. We've got some, you know, a good cohort of power users that are adding a lot of recommendations and good content. But there's a um, there's a density a challenge in the sense that. There's 2,000 stocks on the market, mm. and and y- it takes time for the content to build, and it's being built organically by the community itself. So the hope is is that over time we can get a bit of critical mass, so that we really start to capture that online conversation. So that when someone is thinking of looking at a particular company, there's a number of forums you can go to. Hopefully, Strawman is is one that will be the better destination, and because it, 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 there's a peer review element to it, so people can vote, endorse or reject your insights. Um, uh, they can endorse your valuations, they can see your performance. So it's trying to bring real transparency and accountability to, to all of that kind of stuff. It, it just needs to build. So we're on the right path, so hopefully at a time it'll get there, you'll be able to see, uh, when a bit more water under the bridge, some of the members that have really demonstrated um, a good aptitude for investing, um, they can build up some followers, uh, and you know, it, it, it hopefully will just be, frankly, a source of new ideas, um, an ability to test your own thinking, uh, build a bit of a track record and following. Um, if if we ever do get to um, you know really validate the concept and stuff, and, and we monetize it, it'll probably be a nominal fee um, just to make the business viable. But what I really want to do is I actually want to share that subscription amongst the members according to the level of followers. So I want to sort of A, incentivize people to contribute, but also recognize and reward those that are putting good content out there. So the other aspect of it is it gives a platform. And what is What has been a real learning over the recent years is just how big that market is of people who have probably a day job, but they are very passionate, very dedicated, very skilled private investors in their own right, but they've really got no platform to sort of share their IP and 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 to sort of bring that to a wider audience. So hopefully Strawman could be somewhere where people can um, share their thinking and ideas and be rewarded for it. To be able to have a demonstrable track record, to identify the thesis and see how things played out. Did they play out according to plan? Yeah. There's, there's not many places where you can go. Yep. I don't know of any places, frankly, in the, particularly in Australia, yeah. where there's there's a lack of quality information, particularly at the small cap end of the market. And yeah. personal, my personal beliefs are that there's a lot of value to be had in that particular market segment. So yep. the more information that I can get on that space, the better. Yeah, yeah, it is. And look, frankly, the, the expectation is that of 
of the members that we've got, it'll only be a small cohort of people who'll, who'll put it out there. It, hmm. it, it takes a lot of guts, frankly. To, you, you are laid bare on straw man. <laughs> you, know, you, are, you know, for better or worse, your recommendations are, are, are going to, you know, the performance of how they've gone are, are going to be laid bare. Look, coming from the newsletter industry, I, I can tell you some of the better recommendations I had did woefully for six months and some of the ones that turned out to be real stinkers did really well. So hmm. there's also that 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 it will take time for that credibility to emerge. But once it does emerge, I think there's incredible value on both sides of the transaction there for the people putting the content out there to sort of have their, to test their thinking, refine their, their investment thesis. And, but yeah, most, most people won't, most people will probably use it passively. Um, but I, I really encourage people, even if you're not, not game enough to put a recommendation out there, really engage with the content, you know, for your own sake as well. If, if it, it's amazing to me, um, and it, it tends to be the case more often than not when when you're speaking to a, a sort of a, a DIY investor and the conversation turns around to stock ideas and that's how I really like X, Y, and Z. And you go, great. Um, what do they do? Oh, I don't know. It's something about this. Well, what's your investment thesis? Oh, I heard it on the TV. It's really good and the stock price is going up. It's just There's actually not a lot behind that. And I think one of the things that I really like about Strong, it's not something, it's a feature that we really promote, but it's that it acts as an online investment diary. And it's something I've always encouraged investors to do is just for your own sake, write down why it is that you're buying it and why you believe it will be worth more in the future. A, because it, it forces you to think through the process Putting those that thinking down in black and white allows you to retrospectively go back. And eat. a lot of the time you can be right in terms of you made money on a stock, but right for the wrong reason. Yeah. It didn't go up. Or, or the other the more dangerous thing is this thing that they call thesis creep. <clears throat> so I buy a company and I think it's going to go well because of X, Y, and Z. All of a sudden something changes radically and usually for the worse and the share price comes down. And then you start adjusting. Well okay, I didn't expect that, but now it's in the price. And you, and you start tweaking the investment case subconsciously almost because you don't want to admit that you were wrong. And all of a sudden you end up holding this share or God forbid buying more of it purely because of this endowment effect or you know, this, and this anchoring on your, where, where it's very, very dangerous. So um, where I think there's a lot of value there, just as a user who's putting content out there, is just to keep yourself honest and, and to expose that thinking to not, you know, a confrontational criticism, but, a, but an, 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 an engaged um, collaborative um, discussion to help get that thinking right and, and help you avoid well, two things, help you to avoid potential mistakes, but also to help you build conviction because there will come a time, well, I don't give you the best company in the world. There'll be time when you're down a lot on that. And as I said, the, the, the money is made in the patience and, and in the conviction and all this stuff. And, and if you've got an investment case that you've, you've well articulated and no one's managed to sort of counter that very well, you've got a lot of endorsement on that. I think that'll help carry you through those tough times um, to, to, to make sure you don't do the wrong thing along the way. Yeah, I think the... the the strongman idea is great because I often go to family barbecues out with friends and they always come up with this idea, you should buy crypto or <laughs> why don't you buy this company? I've heard interest rates are falling. The Australian market's too high. It's going to crash. Yeah. And I'm always afraid to disagree with them. Yeah. I don't want to ruin that relationship. Yeah. But if I could do, if I could test out that thesis in a forum, right? You know, that's, I think that's where it adds a lot of value and to actually 
you know, this is these are the numbers that I have. This is the valuation. Here's how it stacks up. I think that's it. I think that's you a know what? Yeah, just just the act of writing it down, you'll test it yourself. Is when you're actually forced, and we're not we're not asking. Like, they're very they're actually character limited posts. So we we don't want you to post a lot of stuff, and, and it'll be under a hashtag group. Hashtag grouping. It might be something about management or risks or the bull case, as you say. But when you actually start writing it down, I've done this a lot myself. Where you go, oh, I really like this company. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a post on Strawman. And as you write it, you think. I don't know nearly enough. Mm. You know, you, 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 yep. it, it's that process that really shines a light on your ignorance, which can be very valuable. Let's let's just change hats now from mm-hmm. the investor, and I just want to ask you, what made you commit to this idea and to to launch your own business? Because it's a very bold idea to give Thank up. You. A, 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 Some a might job. call rec, uh, foolhardy. <laughs> yeah. But what advice would you have for someone else out there who's contemplating starting their own business? Um, oh man, look, I, I got a lot of really good advice early on and I promptly went ahead and ignored most of it <laughs> because I just That's felt really like, yeah, it makes sense, but it's different for me because of X, Y, and Z. So I would, I would definitely say seek counsel and take that very, very seriously. And, um, one of the, one of the real challenges is that and this is your baby, you know, you put a lot of, um, time and effort and a emotion into these things and you you can get um you can get pot committed on stuff and at at the end of the day you need something that is that is going to be viable um, and self-sustaining and you need to have a pretty clear pathway as to how you're going to get there and i think the other thing that you need is an ability to fail quickly is 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 to recognize when your assumptions aren't right and to stop that immediately or to pivot very quickly and again, that is hard when it's your baby and you've, you know, this is how I think people should do it and this is going to be right and they just don't get it yet. No one sees it like I do and I'm just going to keep pushing it. You can waste a lot of money that way. And, um, yeah, I've, I've done plenty of that as well. So um, it, it has to be something – there's – with any kind of business, you can sketch out the business model and uh, – make a case um, for for why it's going to be successful and the rest of it. But I think ultimately you need to focus on what it is, is the value that you're creating. Businesses that trick people into giving giving you their money um, are not typically very good businesses. Um, But businesses that legitimately provide value, where the transaction is one as Yes, I'm getting uh, a fee in return for the service, but you are getting something that is legitimately of value. I think that needs to be the focus. And if you can get that part right, the financials and the rest will follow it. But um, look, I'm not set out to make a million dollars out of this thing. I mean, for, for largely, there's, there's, I want it to be viable because I, 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 can't, um, I can't fund the thing forever. But I actually want it as a resource. I mean, all my money is invested in the market. And I want, I just, Investing is a very lonely pursuit, mm. as you as you know. So it it it, it it's something that um, I, I want the I want the com- I want a community that I can actually engage with and grow with and all of that kind of stuff. That to me is the value. Um, but it took me a long time to define that as well. And another another big uh, bit of advice I got was as well was was coming up with what they call the elevator pitch, which is being able to articulate your idea in 60 seconds and the time it takes to go up a lift maybe that's a very tall building where it takes 60 <laughs> seconds but do you know what i mean and that is that is actually a lot harder than it than it sounds because everyone can give the two-hour ramble as to what you're going to do but concisely specifically 
what what is the opportunity you're going after how are you going to succeed where's the value and just having a very clear idea of what that is because if it's just a, a, a passion project that's fine but it might not ever it might not ever be viable and and if it's not viable unless you've got a lot of money just to, to as i say fund this as a passion project it, it's going to be a, a painful experience one of the things for me was as an entrepreneur i wanted to take on the world and do everything in one go and yes it's going to be fantastic <laughs> yeah uh, that didn't happen yeah it's definitely a grind yeah. Every day is a grind. There's yes. a few inward-looking moments, but I think it's more than a few. Yeah, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Yes, um, you got to get that ego out of there very, very, very quickly. Absolutely, yeah. and you've got to, that mental flexibility. Just like investing, you've, you've got to be open to these ideas and hear what people are saying because it is. As soon as you lose focus of that, that user, that customer, yeah. and it's it's hard too because it's it's you you definitely want to heed that advice and the suggestions out there, but at the same time. You know, on the other on the other end of the spectrum, everyone's got a different take on it. And if, if you listen to everyone, well, you, you you become sort of this everything to everyone kind of thing, and you never really have any value. So there's this fine line between having a core thread of what it is you're wanting to do, taking um, insight and perspective on board, and adjusting slightly, but not trying to please everyone because you won't please everyone. You know, it's the same with 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 Rask Finance and Strawman. It's not going to be appropriate for a lot of people, and that's fine because this is this is the thing that it's trying to do. So you need, as I say, it's this fine line between a, a, a core vision without without broadening that out too much. One thing that we touched on earlier on was the brand that you you built, your mm-hmm. personal brand, and now you've got Strawman. I'm wondering how you think listeners, be they advisors, fund managers, students, or you know, career starters, mm. how can they build that brand? Because personally, I think there's a delineation between the corporate identity and mm. the person. If, you, if, oh, you're, yeah, 100%. If, if you're going into this retail market, you're trying to find self-directed investors yeah. and be relevant to them, they need to know who's behind it. Yes. So how, what, what kind of tips would you give to, to someone yep. to, to build that? Yeah, um, I would start by um, just being very, very honest and, and, and humble with everything that you do. You can get really combative in this space and you'll see it on twitter and someone people arguing over various stocks i don't think that does any favors for you i i I would i would be not afraid to put your ideas out there not be afraid to admit when you're wrong not be afraid afraid to change it's like in politics it's always seen oh he's flip-flopping and it's like it is a wonderful characteristic as a human being in many fields but especially finance the ability to be flexible in your thinking and admit you're wrong is super 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 valuable um, and to acknowledge that that is no, I don't care if you're Warren Buffett or Peter Lynch, you, you're going to be wrong a lot, right? So it's it's about having having the the confidence to be able to put yourself out there and and be proven wrong. Um, but people will value that, and you know, there's there is it's a very noisy space, and it's hard to get attention that's out there. But if you're true to yourself, um, and and you're bringing honest, well thought you know, well-researched ideas to the table, even if they're wrong, that's still still valuable. So I've met up with a few guys recently who uh, were bloggers. Mm. And, you know, I just, I don't know, I found them through Google or whatever. And, and they, they would just put up articles from time to time. They'd put up recommendations. But importantly, they would, they would write out their investment thesis. And 
I ended up catching up with a few of these guys. And, you know, I was really surprised because you, you don't know who the person is and, and you meet it up. And, and often someone in their early 20s and just so impressive what they've managed to do. And it took them a while, but they built a really loyal following. And for a couple of these guys, I actually gave them a door into the industry because mm. they could then point to their blog and say, listen, I've been running this for a couple of years. I've, I've got a really good performance. I've got a good track. It, it, it's a, it, it demonstrates the value that they have. Um, and it's free with blogging, right? Mm. You can just sign on to any number of sites and, yeah. and you can get up and do it. And I, I, I think doing that and not being afraid to put yourself out there is, is the best thing to do. And, and, just, and just to keep learning as well, I think any time in my career where I've thought, yeah, I get it, it's been a very dangerous point and you'll never get it all. It's, it is a continuous process. So it's that, it's that lack of hubris as, as to, to, to be willing to learn from anyone and everyone and, and just trying to fit that into this, these, these mental models that you have and, and strengthening and reinforcing and building that up over time. And, and in particular, I would say get away from the financey stuff as quickly as you can and be more into the business side of stuff. These, these ticker symbols and indexes and interest rate, they're all incredibly valuable and, and worthwhile, but, but your time learning is, is, is more on that, that bottom-up area. It is, you, that will pay dividends for years to come. And the lessons learned there, regardless of how the investment works, will be applicable to... There's only so many industries out there, right? And each, each time you get to know them a bit better, the next opportunity in that space you will approach in a much smarter way. So build up build up those understandings. Stay within your core companies, but, but sort of try and broaden that out over mm. time. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I would say that uh, I think this comes from a Reva Martin book, but anything that you publish, make it better than the last thing that you published. Yes. Yeah. Don't just go for quantity over quality yep. because these things have a compounding effect. Yes. And, if, and if you focus on the really high quality stuff, first of all, if you're running a blog, for example, it might be one or two years before that thing yeah. really catches on. Yeah. And that's when you notice it. So it, yeah. it's, it's definitely a long-term investment Slow in your brand. Burn. yeah. But very important. It gives you job security, financial security, yeah. potentially. And it's just the ideal situation. It, it really is. And it's just, even if no one reads your blog, that the process itself is, mm. is phenomenally uh, valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this is the final question. Okay. Uh, it's my favorite one. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back in time right. and tell younger Andrew yes. something, anything, what would it be? And you can say buy Amazon shares. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely buy Amazon <laughs> shares. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I, it's not going to be particularly unique or insightful, but it's, it's all the obvious things that everyone knows, but very few people do. It would just basically spend less money, save more, mm-hmm. invest earlier, invest re- you know, it, it, that kind of stuff. And, you know, if, if I had, even if, even if I had just committed to saving an extra 50 bucks a week when I first started full-time work and did nothing other than just pop that in an index fund, you know, 20 years later... That's uh, a pretty smart decision, you know. It's that it's that whole when's the best time to plant an oak tree? Or well, fifty years ago, the second best time is today. So I, I guess I would, you know, when you're at that age, it's you, the future just stretches out into infinity, and you, you know you don't think about that stuff. But it's it's about recognizing, which I think I did intellectually, recognize those the importance of those habits, but actually just commit and stick to it. It's super easy stuff. Um, conceptually, um, but I would just say stick to that. It'd be, it'd be a very big needle mover. 
The other thing I would probably say is buy a lot of property on leverage. <laughs> it's going to get real in Australia over the next 20 years. So, yeah, I probably would have done that. <laughs> okay, well, Andrew, it's been a thrill to have you on the show. Thanks Great for joining me and best of luck with Strawman. Thanks very much, Owen. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Thanks again for tuning in to the Australian Investors Podcast. For further episodes, head to www.raskfinance.com to provide feedback, nominate a guest or hear from me, you can find me on Twitter with the handle at Owen Rask. Cheers to our financial futures. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees and 1000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.